Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Stephen Kreisick of the Lotto Jumbo team as well and Adam Yates of Orica Green Edge and Anthony Turgis who had a little bit of a tumble as he headed in towards Scarborough but stayed on his bike. Great Britain have won their first medal. It was Adam Peaty in a world record time, breaking his own world record. She punches the air and she crosses that blue finish line. The world champion of 12 months ago, who finished second here last time around, has won it. The Athletes' Village is not a place for fighting. I've never heard that ever in Olympic and Paralympic history. This is Anything But Footy, the Olympic and Paralympic podcast, covering the Games all the time rather than once every four years. I'm John. And I'm Michael. And coming up in this episode, I catch up with two Team GB boxers who both have a story to tell and both have something to prove. Hello, my name's Charlie Davison, 54 kilo GB boxer. Um, Really excited to have been chosen to go to the European Games. And the first qualifiers before Paris Olympics. Hello, my name is Delicious Ori. I'm a Team GB boxer and I'm super excited to be representing Team GB. Their interviews in full before this week's European Games coming up. We'll continue our countdown to crack off 2023 and discuss the latest dire warnings about British basketball. And they are dire, by the way. And of course, we'll round up the other Olympic and Paralympic news headlines in our news from the Games, including all the A's, athletics, archery. And as ever, you can let us know what you think get in touch anytime i always say this john does an amazing job on the socials at anything but f on twitter follow us there for all your olympic and paralympic and anything but footy news find us on instagram and on facebook anything but footy give it a search give us a follow and check out our latest blogs and all things sport audio and radio on our website anythingbutfooty.com now, Delicious Ore and Charlie Davidson are just two of the GB boxers off to Poland this week for the third instalment of the European Games. If you don't know what we're talking about, you need to download and follow the last two episodes. But effectively, it's a mini Olympics in Europe over 12 days in Krakow. And boxing in Tokyo was once again one of the standout sports for Team GB and likewise for the home nations in the Commonwealth Games. 
We'll hear from gold medalist from Birmingham, Delicious, in a moment, and his story from Russia to representing Team GB. But first, mum of three, Charlie. How much is Paris and the Olympics really on your, your radar, having had that taste of it in Tokyo in 2021? Yeah, so um, since I went to Tokyo, um, qualified for Tokyo uh, Olympics, didn't quite get to the sort of stage I wanted to get to, i.e. a medal. Um, this is sort of my last slot, uh, my last like chance, basically, um, my last sort of Olympics. So um, I'm really hungry for this, uh, looking forward to qualifying and and heading to Paris. And how important are the European Games for you? You mentioned, obviously, qualification, but what kind of big step is this event for you? Yeah, so I went to a Europeans before, but this is different. This is my first European Games. Um, it's a major, um, a very, very tough major as well. Um, you've got the uh, best girls from the countries um, all competing, obviously, to qualify for Paris. Um, so it's going to be tough. But um, it's really important, I think, that experience there alone before you head off to the Olympics um, is the first sort of stepping stone. You've got to qualify. Um, you've got to beat these girls to qualify. And then you compete against the other ones that have qualified at the Olympics. And how's the family? Really well. Um, kids were quite shocked that I had to come to camp so soon after our week in Italy. We had a day or so at home. Um, that obviously flew by and they were asking why I was going so soon. But they understand um, the nature of what I do, um, the hard work I have to put in and the sacrifices I have to make to sort of be at this top level. Um, and they're behind me pushing me. They give me that drive. So I'm, I'm in a good place going into these um, European Games. So tell us a little bit about the kids, how many, how old they are and how much they understand sort of what mum does for her job. Yeah, so I've got three children, um, two sons and a daughter. My eldest son is 11. My daughter's nine. She's the middle child. And my youngest is seven. Um, I think at first it was sort of um, sort of hard for them to get used to. Uh, mum being away, dad being at home, we sort of like switch roles. Um, but they've now sort of come to terms with it. They enjoy being at home with dad. Um, and then they get to enjoy me when I come home. Um, but like I say, they're my drive. They are what push me. Um, they do help me. Like when I have bad days, I get to go home and see the children. So I'm grateful being able to do both as being a parent as well as doing the sport that I love. Because we've seen lots of great athletes come back and win medals after having children, haven't we? With Jessica Ennis-Hill, of course, with, with Laura yeah. Trott, Laura Kenny. And, and I guess for you, you must feel you've got a second chance at this sport, having had to go away and have the family. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I'll forever be grateful for uh, Team GB supporting me how they have. Um, they've really helped me with whether that's with um, like mindset, performance, anything I need. They've always been there to help. Um, and you do you do get the doubters that think, oh, can she do it? She's got three children, not just one, but three children. Can she go back to that top level? And you question yourself as well at the beginning. I questioned myself and I thought, oh, um, I've got to get this balance right um, to make myself happy, to fulfil my full potential. Uh, not to waste any time. But I feel that, like I say, that balance, um, if it's sort of, you've got the right balance, um, anything's possible and I'm proving that. And like you just said yourself, there's been other mums out there that have come back to the sport after having children and won medals at majors. So it can happen. Did you ever think about stepping off the programme after Tokyo and, and, and giving up or was there always that drive? You saw the record haul. Yeah, so I think if I would have won a medal at Tokyo, that maybe would have would have sort of concreted it. But because of I know that I didn't quite reach my full potential, I think it's a waste if I was then to say, oh, do you know what, I, I'm not doing it anymore sort of thing, where 
I was in a good position still, even though I didn't win a medal. It was just the lack of experience. Little tweaks here and there that I've now sort of put right. Uh, yeah, I believe no one see me see my full potential, not at all. Um, and more so at this weight, um, I'm able to show like show people my 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 abilities and what I can do. And there's more there's more to show. Um, they just got a little glimpse of what I could do then. Um, and now I can showcase my skills to the bigger bigger people. So just finally, then, how are you feeling ahead of the European Games in Krakow? Body shape and, and mind, everyone, everything okay? Everything is going to plan um, really well. We've just, like I say, come back from Italy. Really good sparring out there. We've done some really good tough runs. Um, we've done all the hard work. We literally can just put it into play now. And I want to get out there, um, get that draw done, get that first bout out of the way. Um, and then... Just get into the tournament. That's that feel of that anticipation is the worst part. Um, and when you're into the tournament, it just flows. And yeah, just I'm really excited, really excited. Because I think what a lot of people don't understand about boxing at events like this is to be there is is a huge achievement. And whilst I totally accept you want to be there and, and be on the podium, there's no yeah. passengers in a European Games or an Olympic boxing tournament, is there? Uh, there's no added extras. There's, you have to get there, you have to do your thing and get a medal, qualify, and then head to head to Paris. And a chance to put that Team GB kit back on. Must be getting familiar for you now. Oh, that's it. Feels like home. <laughs> well, lovely to catch up. Lovely to speak to you. And all the very best Thank in you. Poland. It's nice to speak to you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hello, my name is Delicious Ori. I'm a Team GB boxer. And I'm super excited to be representing Team GB in the European Games. Delicious. Last time I spoke to you, we were on a balcony in the centre of Birmingham. You'd just become the Commonwealth Games champion. And everyone wanted a selfie with you because they said, when this guy's heavyweight champion of the world, that'll be really good on the gram. But <laughs> before you get to that point, you want to win a European Games gold and an Olympic gold, don't you? Yeah, it's all it's all part of the process. So, um, yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to do and what I need to do. Um, it's all been part of the plan since starting boxing at 18 years old. This is it now. You know, I'm on Team GB2 get into the Olympics and to be an Olympian. And uh, I need to qualify in order to do that. So, yeah, I, c I can't wait. Exciting times. You said, obviously, you started at 18. That's relatively late, isn't it, to get into your game? Yeah, 18 years old. I actually had my first bout at 19, so it was late 18. Um, but you know what? You One thing that I realised as I compete and I, and I progressed as a boxer and developed my skills is inspiration is such a powerful thing and at the time at the time being 18 years old i didn't understand it i just felt it it was just in getting that inspiration that self-belief look as soon as you get that self-belief in you that's it that like you can achieve anything at the time i didn't know what it was until after a few years when i you know i look back and think wow this is just this is inspiration that's all it is um and I, honestly i can't preach enough how important inspiring and inspiring the next generation of young adults young adults is um so that's exactly that's one of my goals and one of the things that I, i'm setting out to do which is you know as much as uh, i want to win a gold medal at the olympics become heavyweight champion of the world the next thing is to inspire make uh you know people believe that it's very much possible so what does it mean to you to have team gb on your shirt today and, and be representing great britain a country that you came to when you were young Man, I honestly, I can't put it into words. It, it's going to give me an opportunity to to show um, Team GB, show the world, yeah, but also show Team GB and show Great Britain that I am very, very grateful for the opportunity that I have. Um, you know, to be, the, to be in the position that I'm in, honestly, I can't put it into words. I, I, 
you know, I, I am lucky. As much as I've worked very hard for, uh, in the position I'm in now, I am very lucky and very fortunate. And for me, it's, it's a way to say thank you to Team GB, thank you to Great Britain for being such an amazing nation. I'm, and I really do mean it. It's, it's, a, it's a great place. And um, coming from um, Russia to um, Russian mother and Nigerian father, I was born in Russia and uh, I lived there for seven years before coming out um, to England. Um, it was a big change for me at the time, you know, a different language, um, you know, a different school system. But I felt like I really fitted in here in the UK, um, seeing, a, you know, diverse culture, um, seeing more, a little bit more, well, a lot more acceptance. Um, and I really felt like this was home. Um, and over the years, that that proved it, that proved it to myself. And now I'm able to actually put the shirt on and, and actually represent Team GB and, and you know, be the, the number one guy to um, to bring back the medals for the country and for the nation. So. I feel like this is like what I'm destined to do. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it really it really does feel like it's um, since I've come here at seven years old. Um, so yeah, I can't. I really cannot wait, and it's an exciting time for me. It's just this is more than just a medal. This is something that I look back and say, like I'm thinking to myself, like I, I was able to represent a country that's given given me a lot of opportunity and, uh, and put me in the position I am today. So it's big. <laughs> it's a big thing. <laughs> And and bigger than all the, all of us, of course, is the situation you know with Russia and Ukraine at the moment. You're you're a bright guy. You're a thoughtful guy. Do you have any thoughts about what is happening in the wider world? Oh man, what's going on there is just horrendous. I think anything to do with well, I know anything to do with war is 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 horrible. It's a catastrophe for um, you know the the locals or just the regular people living there um, on both sides. Um, it really isn't fair on them, um, you know, because of a decision of a few guys at the top. Um, but like you said, this politics is a lot bigger than boxing. It's a lot bigger than this. It's it's a shame, but it's, it's just how the world works, unfortunately. Um, well, all we can do is just um, focus on ourselves and, and develop ourselves. It's affected us here at Team GB a little bit, you know, not being able to go out and compete in certain tournaments and not being able to get as much uh, more bouts in. Um, but all I can do really is just get my head down and focus on myself. And um, I wouldn't say ignore what's going on because that's the wrong way of putting it. You know, we have to sort of acknowledge what's going on, but it's um, not letting it affect us and what we do and uh, making sure that we're still progressing day by day because the, the wrong actions of a few shouldn't, shouldn't impact us as a, as, an, as a nation, as a, as a team to achieving the things that we need to achieve. So that's the mindset I'm going into this with. And one of the, the knock-on effects... I guess is this growth now of world boxing uh, ahead of the IBA and, and GB boxing has aligned itself with world boxing. Do you as boxers, the cohort talk about that? Is that in your thoughts at all about who's going to organize this Olympic competition for argument's sake, whether boxing will even be there in LA? Yeah. Yeah. From a practical stand standpoint in terms of actually what we, uh, in terms of the actual competitions, actually tournaments. Yeah. We've got to talk about it because we need to know, how we're qualifying, what we're actually going to do in order to get into the Olympics, if the Olympics even on the next time um, in, in 2024 20, Paris for the boxing. Yeah, and of course it is. So in, from that aspect, yeah, we do talk about it. Um, but as I think as a sport, we don't get involved too much in the politics because it's just, it's 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 a mess. It really is a mess. And it's something that you don't, we don't, well, I don't really want to get involved in. We have certainty for the amateur boxing happening in 2024. Um, but you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, everything goes well for the for the next Olympics in LA. Because look, amateur boxing is a big thing; it's it's a vital thing for um, the younger generation and the, the kids here in the UK. 
Look, I walked in the, in the gym for the first time, 18, 19, never been to an amateur club before. And I really seen a massive impact on what it does to um, the young adults and children. Honestly, it can change your life. It's just being able to get into a gym and having a coach, someone to talk to, you know, maybe they might not even have that in the house so uh, or in their peers and have a, a um, something in common uh, and, and just work hard towards something. That's important. And I feel like, Amateur boxing is a, it's a huge um, vessel for that. So whatever happens, whoever's running it, your message is we need to keep boxing on the programme at the Olympic Games. Very important. Very important that the, the funding is still there. Very important that it's, there is something that these young kids can push towards and strive towards. Because look, for some kids, if it's not for boxing, they'll end up somewhere that we none of us want them to be in, you know. And it's as simple as that. It's, it's, it's literally either boxing or the wrong path uh, for some people. Well, all the very best to you at the European Games with Team GB. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Really great to hear both Charlie and Delicious, Charlie Davidson and Delicious Ore talking to Michael. I thought Delicious spoke incredibly well about what was going on in Russia and Ukraine and described it as horrendous. I also thought his description of the IBA and the fact that the Olympics might not have boxing in LA and he described it as a mess was probably the best description I've heard uh, for a long time. And, and, And the really important point that gyms are a safe place and somewhere to go for young boys, girls who might need someone to talk to. I thought it was a really good point, Michael. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously enjoyed chatting to both of them. Charlie's an interesting story, having, you know, been a, a very good level boxer, went away, had a family, came back, qualified for Tokyo against all the odds, didn't win a medal out there in what was a record-breaking team, uh, but then decided, you know, had the opportunity to probably like a lot of that team turn professional, but decided that she had, as I put it to her, unfinished business with the Olympics and mm. she wanted to go again. And that's a big commitment. It's a, well, it was a three year commitment, not the full four years, but you know, when you're a mum and juggling family life and everything else to say, you know, I'm going to put a lot of my life on hold because I've still got that ambition for that Olympic medal. And yeah, delicious or DJ as he's known, love chatting to the yeah. guy uh, always. And I, I said it to him there, I, I, you know, he's, he's a bright, intelligent man. He's thoughtful. He's got opinions on things. And, you know, we discussed there two Two huge news stories. Mm. I mean, in in the world of sport, the future for amateur boxing and the Olympics is a big deal. Of course, we know a much bigger deal is what's gone on in the world over the past year, year and a half. And as someone that was born in Moscow and has, you know, a parent from Russia, but obviously has been in this country for a long time, just to get Delicious's perspective, if mm. you like, on what has happened and... Um, you know, and I think that'll be a conversation that develops w- with Delicious as well. What will happen if he's, you know, in a ring at some point, you know, facing a boxer who, you know, is an independent athlete, but as we and you know, and everyone listening knows, is an athlete from Russia. What What is the situation there? And I think, as he said at the end, he's he's there to do his job. He has to focus on doing that job. And, you know, I think he's, he's, it's, he's very mindful of what is going on in the world. And he has an opinion and he wants to speak about that. Um, but he wants to win um, a medal at the European Games, and that has got to be his focus. And we all need sometimes to do that in life, don't we? Which is, you know, just to compartmentalise things. Yeah. And, you know, your job is your job, and your views, your opinions on what is happening in the world is is maybe a separate part of your life. But, yeah, great to chat to both. 
and we wish Charlie all the best as well, fighting at a new weight, as she was explaining there as well, and feeling a lot better about it uh, than she uh, than she did in Tokyo. So those two are just part of the 13-strong boxing team looking for Paris qualification next year. One of them is Reese Lynch, named to watch out for. He's been named as one of the 10 newbies at the European Games. He became the first Scottish boxer to win a World Championship medal. It was a bronze. He backed that up with the Commonwealth Games gold. More on him and the others to watch. Just head to the website, teamgb.com. And stay with us on Anything But Footy. We'll keep you up to date with the European Games on socials over the next week or so and listen out next week for a special podcast on the Brits at the Europeans. We can't wait for that. This is Anything But Footy, the Olympic and Paralympic podcast. Stay with us. We'll look at the latest bad news for British basketball and round up our news from the games you may have missed. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is Anything But Footy. And British Basketball, or the arching organisation GB Basketball. I mean, where do we go from here? We talked last week, or last episode of the podcast, about how golfers were blindsided by the uh, Saudi takeover deal with the PGA Tour. Well, this was like an earthquake, a letter from Chairman Chris Grant in an open letter to all basketball followers in the UK in the past week. Also, the sports administrators like UK Sport, who may read it, may be listening to this. And basically, what he said is he'll quit if things don't change quickly and better. And it was only in September last year that he was appointed and accepted, as he put it, the two day a month role. Now, let me quote a little bit from the letter. It's been much closer to seven days per week and a more CEO role than the volunteer position that was advertised. I've carried on to this point despite the negative personal impact because GB basketball is massively important. We're making real progress. We could easily slip back into another cycle of underachievement. Right now, as well as pulling out all the stops to support our teams, we should be preparing our submission for the run-up to the 2028 Olympics. We're doing our best, but the position we are in is untenable and unsustainable. I'll decide over the coming weeks whether I can stay to see this through. Now, Michael, he says there's only a certain amount an organisation can do with no full-time employees. Sponsors and partners tell him it's a niche sport. And he's calling on more funding. And he's had backing for that from the former BBF chair, Nick Humby, and the former CEO, Lisa Wainwright, as well, both echoing his statements, calling for the sport to receive more funding. But here's the nub. We've all been saying this for so long, but ultimately it does need more funding. Basketball England has been working. It's successful in using some of the legacy from the Birmingham Games, the 3x3 success. But if there's nothing to take it on from there, what's the point? And by the way, if you've read one of our blogs on anything but footy, you'll know that this is the second most played sport in this country. The second. You know what? I think there's more to this for me than just British basketball at an Olympic and elite level. And I've said this on more than one occasion about a number of sports, basketball being one of them, volleyball another, handball. Missed opportunity after 2012. Having got a, a British programme up and running, not to have 
taking that on for me was criminal. But there is a pot of cash that isn't limitless. It's definitely not, not limitless at the moment. And decisions were made and those decisions were made at the time to exclude sports like basketball. But think back to that interview that we just heard there with Delicious Ori and what he was saying about young boxers, young boys, young girls going into gyms and it being a safe space. Yeah. Think back to what, what he was saying there. Now, he was not saying there that all those young boys and young girls are going to go and, you know, emulate him and win a medal at the Commonwealth Games or go to an Olympic Games, which might happen for him. He was just saying that those gyms and that grassroots and that mass participation element was so, so important. Mm. And that is what's so, so important for basketball. As you said there, the second most played sport in the country, the basketball court should be a safe space for those people. The basketball clubs should be a safe space for those people that want to go and play basketball. Brilliant that GB's women are on the verge for qualifying potentially for the next Olympics. That would be a fantastic achievement. And, you know, we should back that and hopefully with the right investment and the right program, we can go on and improve on that and make them more of a contender perhaps for 2028. But for me, it's also about all those people that just want to play the game, whether that's for fun, whether that's for the sake of their mental health, whether that's the sake for their physical health, whether that's just the one opportunity a week that they get out and they can go and play on a court. So we need those courts, we need that structure, we need those clubs, and we need obviously to when we look at investment in sport and we look at investment in well-being and fitness and health, we need to bring basketball in because clearly it's so hugely popular. And I thought Chris Grant was the right person appointed to the position, but he's obviously worked incredibly hard for the last six months and it's still not making any difference. It's too complicated, isn't it, Michael? We've talked about this so many times on the podcast in our Great British Bosses series. The way that the structure is worked in this country, you've got England, Scotland, Wales, uh, and sometimes Northern Ireland. Then you have GB bo- uh, Basketball, which oversees or the elite side of it. It's, it. But it's all too complicated. And what it needs to do is they all need to come together and sit down and work out, right, we've got this amount of cash what are we going to do with it and how are we going to do it and how are we going to have those courts because ultimately I, the other weekend I was in Southend for example uh, visiting uh, grandparents we went to the basketball court in the local park and there were six hoops there and every single hoop was being played by young kids and my son wanted to play basketball as well unfortunately we'd taken the basketball with us as well as a football as well as a tennis racket but it was interesting that all those six hoops were being played and there is a hoop in every park all you need is a ball but I tell you what you really need is you need the will to make it change and make it happen and at the moment that is not happening This is anything but footy. On to our news from the Games. Not long to go now until the London Diamond League taking place in the Olympic Stadium, the London Stadium in the Olympic Park, Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park. Uh, The US's Shikari Richardson, the fastest woman in the world this year, is the latest addition to an incredible 100 metres field at the London Athletics Meet, which is being held on Sunday the 23rd of July. Now, she will join Sharika Jackson and Dina Asher-Smith on the starting line in London. Two of our favourite athletes who are supposed to battle on the streets of London earlier this year will now meet on the track instead. I hope I've not got the job of interviewing both of them. I was planning (laughs) on being home that night, not the following Wednesday. Uh, London Marathon winner and double Olympic champion Sifan Hassan, who does like to chat, uh, will meet Commonwealth Games champion Ailish McColgan, who also likes to chat 
in an intriguing women's 5,000 metres. I think talking is probably the second best thing both of them do uh, <laughs> after running. Uh, Great Britain and Northern Ireland's Olympic bronze medalist Holly Bradshaw will also take on Olympic and world pole vault champion Katie Moon of the US. And another person who I've always enjoyed interviewing, world silver medalist Sandy Morris. And I just want to just say quickly, uh, Sandy Morris from the US, uh, she was an adopted athlete uh, for the 2017 World Athletics Championships, which you recall, of course, were held in London. Mm. And I was covering those games, as you know, for talk sport, for yep. radio. And we decided to adopt an athlete uh, for the duration of the games and speak to them regularly. And Sandy was our adopted athlete because the US team were training at the University of Birmingham before coming down to London. And we spoke to her there and we said, look, can we catch up with you regular intervals during the game? So, yeah, it was fantastic to, to have a chat with her after she won her medal in London. And I've always, always followed her career ever since as our adopted athlete from 2017. And for Ailish and Seafan, I love interviewing you. I love talking to you both if you're listening. And I will revel in the opportunity to speak to you at the Diamond League if that opportunity arises. <laughs> exactly and we wish Holly Bradshaw all the best as well and hope that her injuries are behind her as well. Uh, we've seen her struggle in the last year or so. Now nine of Britain's best para archers have been named to compete at the World Championships and European Championships this summer. The Czech Republic is staging the Worlds in July with quota places up for grabs for the Paris Paralympics. The Europeans are then in August. Paralympic champions Phoebe Patterson-Pine and Jessica Stretton are leading the team. Para Program manager Rachel, ba Rachel Bailey says, Congratulations to all, and we're now focused on the challenge ahead. Now, you know, I'm a big fan of the Commonwealth Games, despite the fact I accept there are some challenges ahead of us about the staging of the games. Uh, you know, I've been to four, including Gold Coast. Have in you mentioned it? Yeah, I think, um, once I think or you twice. mentioned it. The Commonwealth Games Federation has launched Commonwealth United, which is its brand new strategic plan from this year until 2034. So a uh, 11, 10, 11 year plan. At its heart is that bold new vision. As I said, there are some challenges uh, for future Commonwealth Games hosting. So the bold new vision, our Commonwealth United through sport. So this vision has confirmed they will be looking for more multi-country games opportunities, new regions, following the example of Victoria in Australia in 2026. Now, just quickly on this, Go on. I, I would have said to you that the future of the Commonwealth Games is multi-country, multi new regions, yep. host it across a big area. And Victoria stepped in and is doing that in 2026. Having then been in the centre of Birmingham in 2022 <laughs> and been there for the duration of that and seen how that city just buzzed, I hope that still there will be opportunities for cities like Birmingham. And I do accept that those games were spread a bit further afield. Cycling in London, for example, yeah. uh, things in Coventry like the Rugby Sevens. But the hub of it seemed very much in the city centre. And I do hope that city councils in this country, whether it's Liverpool going again or a Leeds-Bradford bid or another Glasgow-Edinburgh bid or Cardiff. I mean, we talked about Cardiff, didn't we, back in 2014, that, yeah. that Wales should go for it. I do hope that, that we do still have some events, some Commonwealth Games hosts in the future that are focused around the one city, just because it was so amazing for Birmingham. But I also accept that there are not enough of those cities to go around. So that is why we're having to do it slightly differently in Victoria. But well done, I would say, to the CGF for being open to the fact that the games are not always going to follow the same blueprint. And I should just mention as well, launching ahead of the 
Trinidad and Tobago 2023 Commonwealth Youth, Youth Games. There is also a renewed focus on youth engaging with diverse young fans on an ongoing basis. And that's something, again, we saw, didn't we, right in the heart of Birmingham, mm. at Smithfield with the 3x3 basketball and the, and the beach volleyball there, that focus on youth and just a brilliant staging of those two sports. Yeah, we've seen countries hosting other sporting events together. And I think if the Commonwealth can get, say, for example, you don't want too many nations, you don't want it so um, separated, as you rightly say, because you want... Uh, you want to feel like it's one uh, one event but if you could say have half of the events in one city uh, or one region or one country maybe even uh, in Trinidad and Tobago and then you have something in another city another part of the world it could effectively you could have a 24-hour games couldn't yeah. you because you could have I, some some from a from a from a viewing point of view you could watch sport for 24 hours a day so I think it is something that that, that they're right to be looking at but you're absolutely right as well that it can't be, well, here's one event here and one event here and one event on another continent because then it is individual championships and it's not a Commonwealth Games. Yeah, and I think an imaginative stage. I mean, if you could imagine that, you know, India could stage Commonwealth Games cricket for, for argument's sake while the cycling takes place in Australia and the track and field takes place in London where we know that huge crowds will come out and if you you stage it in the right way and you get the timings right you're right you could you could literally watch the Commonwealth Games around the clock couldn't you you could always have a sport on at some place in some country in some city uh, all part of the games taking place at any one time across the 10, 11 days of competition but I agree with you as well you do want some kind of community feel as well like you've all come together yeah, I, I just think maybe there there's options, whether it's an alternate or it's one in three, whatever it is, and, and this will be led by people coming forward with their, their views and their ideas on staging the Games. What I wouldn't want to say is that the Commonwealth Games will no longer be hosted or it will no longer be offered, if you like, two cities to host in the same way that Glasgow did and Birmingham did, and, and that created such that unique atmosphere that is always special around games time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, a big couple of weeks to come for anything but footy and sport in this country. We've got the European Games starting on Wednesday, some events in Poland on Tuesday as well to look out for. It's Olympic Day on Friday, June 23rd. 400 days to go this week to Paris 2024. Wimbledon begins on July 3rd and the British Athletics Championships and Trials for the Worlds, which take place in Budapest later in the summer, are taking place in Manchester in July 8th or 9th. We cannot wait. Throw in the fact you've got some World Series Championship Triathlon taking place in Sunderland in July as well. You've got the National Road Race Cycling Championships taking place in Redka and Cleveland and just down the road from me as well. They've got uh, events on Croft Circuit in North Yorkshire County, Durham border. Yeah, we've got a terrific few weeks of sport. We'll have it all covered for you right here. So do check out our sporting calendar and all our latest blogs on the website as well, anythingbutfooty.com. And as always, get in touch anytime. Find us on Twitter at anythingbutf or find us on Instagram and Facebook at anythingbutfooty. Now, as Michael was saying earlier, GB Boxing and its 13 fighters are preparing for European Games, knowing sport, their sport, is on an Olympic knife edge. We heard from DJ about how he is welcomed into the boxing gym and feels that sport has a role to play in keeping our youngsters safe. Now, GB Boxing, for many years, has now set the standard of British sport, Olympic success and inspiration. Now, wouldn't it be good if we could have that happening with basketball, the second most played sport in the country that we mentioned earlier? Role models, success, media coverage, and then more importantly, sponsorship and maybe some funding. 
we've been saying it in our blogs, on our pods, there is much more out there than football. This is literally anything but footy. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.